0: Five, four, three, two, one. Right, hello, children. Welcome to the episode two of the On My Dime On Your Time podcast with your host, me. I'm I'm Isa, by the way. Uh, I'm super hyped to release this episode to all of you guys. I'm super keen. Uh, we got our first guest on the show this week, Christian Shibeta. For those of you who don't know Christian Shibeta, he's one of the new guards of fashion YouTube. He, he's the host of the Brave New Wear show. And he's all around a super interesting guy. He talks fashion and we got a good side of him. We talked about self-development and stuff a lot, which isn't a side that he shows on his YouTube channel. I had a great time chatting with him. He knows a lot more about the topic than I do, which is amazing, which I I love learning from people who are more versed in topics than I am. We cover self-improvement, self-development. We get into topics like meditation, a lot of really interesting other topics. Speaking with them actually gave me the final push to start meditating like on my own. I'm going to I'm going to download like Headspace or something and I'm going to get started with meditation really soon. So, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Christian. Christian.
1: Christian, what's going on? Nothing much. Uh thanks you for having me on. I'm excited to be here on the podcast and uh you know, just a good start to my day so far.
0: Good stuff, man. Thank you for coming, man. You're the first guest we're having on the podcast. I'm surprised you actually, like, responded to me and shit. Because you got, like, what, 5,000 subscribers on YouTube and stuff? I, I wasn't even sure you were going to respond or anything. So thank you for that.
1: You know, um, I, you always got to try. Uh, you always got to reach out to people. I'm not that big, but I always try to respond to everyone. And the reason I feel like I am I, – at least I try to respond to everyone is because I studied journalism in college – and I still reach out to people to interview them, and I know what it's like to reach out to like so many people and never hear back. And I don't know. I, I I try to be as responsive as possible to anyone, to everyone, because as soon as you don't like, as soon as you decide you're going to like not respond to people or whatever, I don't know. I feel like you. It, it's it's better to try to make time for everyone. Absolutely, man. I really idea. respect
0: that because, like, even in your YouTube comment section, I see you responding to everybody's comments and stuff. That's great, man.
1: I try to, but sometimes, so I mean, they, I, this goes with anything on the internet, like, especially, I guess, this YouTube. Some people are just writing things that are offensive or just like so out there where I'm like, I don't even know what to say to this anymore. But I do try to respond to everyone um, who comments because I think that's. I think that's cool. And I mean, I'll take, sometimes I'll take like 30 minutes to do so because I don't know. I, I love, I love to talk. I love to write. I started doing this, the YouTube channel because I wanted to engage with people more. And I don't know. I, I guess sometimes it feels more natural. I mean, sometimes it, it's kind of laborious, but I really enjoy writing people detailed replies, especially because people write detailed comments. And I think that's so cool. And I want to, you know, prove that I'm I'm engaged. Absolutely, I guess, you know. Kind of
0: prove you're a real person as well, right? Not just like the face behind the camera who's just like yeah. a robot making the content and stuff. It uh, could be. It's always yeah. possible.
1: But yeah. um I I thought what what was interesting to me uh was kind of the the subject matter. You I work in fashion, um mm-hmm. but you want to talk about both fashion and wellness, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I just, it's something that I have generally been kind of interested in Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like a hobby horse of mine outside of the world of fashion is wellness. And I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I actually, for the last year I had been working as kind of, I guess you'd call it a producer for a wellness podcast. Okay. Awesome. Which is kind of maybe a secret. Um, but it's, uh, what's the big idea with Andrew Horn? He is a social entrepreneur. I met him in New York and I had been producing his episodes. So I feel like I I know a lot about this space, at least, well, you know, as much as I can. And I've read so much about like all of the self-help books, a lot about wellness. So I'm I'm ready to go. I'm excited.
0: Oh, beautiful man. Like I I recently got into this space like because of like the pandemic and everything, right? Cuz I was like I was just at home, I had nothing to do, right? Cuz like gyms yeah. were closed, there was no work cuz I'm just like all right, you know what? I'm going to start reading my reading books again, man. It's like honestly like changed 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 my life as they say, you know? Oh yeah. Great, what, what books? Oh, what did I read? Um I read a book about body language. There's one called What Everybody's Thinking. It's by like an ex like FBI agent type guy.
1: Oh, I think I might. I think I might know about that one. Yeah. Yeah, that I've book was him.
0: that one was really really good. There's one I don't remember what it was like the premises of the book, but it was called Fifty Nine Seconds. It's just a quick like self development book on how to like change your life, and it goes into like studies and stuff about how like. I've read that one. That one. I really, know the one you're talking about. Really enjoyed that one, and I have a few of them right here actually. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, obviously. Mm, yeah, classic. I'm reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius right now. Another classic. Yeah, I got Seven Habits f- for Highly Effective People. I didn't really like that one, but yeah. everybody has a different experience. I'm I'm going through... I want to, like, really absorb the stuff in his books. So I'm just reading this for, like... I'm reading this on the side, like, just highlighting stuff. Yeah. And I read... What else? Uh, God. Um, Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson.
1: What do you think of that? I've never read his book, basically. Do you, do you know much about him? Like, have you seen any of his YouTube I do videos? know... I know a lot about him, actually. My roommate, years ago, now, before Jordan B. Peterson was famous, Mm. essentially, she was really interested in him, Mm. and I've kind of been on a roller coaster of learning about who he is, Mm. and then him becoming famous, and then more controversial, and everything that has come with it, so... I feel like I know a lot about N B. Peterson, but I haven't read his book. And I mean, I've only listened to parts of his lectures. I'm kind of, I am critical of a lot of the things he, th- he thinks about. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I don't know too much about the guy. Like I've read, I've seen like his Maps of Meaning lectures and stuff. I enjoyed those. But, like, since you know the style of his, like, the way he talks, he, like, says a point and he goes really, really in-depth into on, like, the psychology and stuff, that's basically the book is. It gets a little bit redundant at times. Like, he just really reiterates points. But, like,
1: still kind of kind of recommend. I don't know. It's, like, a 7 out of 10 for me. I honestly – I'm the, in the kind of boat where – let me be honest with how I feel Absolutely about Jordan Peterson. I think that he is um, – I think that he's sometimes willfully ignorant about – Uh, subjects that lean towards like, uh, I guess, who you call the left. He has kind of a mentality. So he's a psychologist or not a psychiatrist, but he he studies the mind and psychology. And he has this theory about, in essence, about self-fulfillment and kind of developing self-worth, which I understand. And I think that that is his field of study. And that seems like very reasonable, and i I can understand where it comes he's coming from from that, but I think he's extrapolated a lot from that and kind of created a lot of life philosophy that has leaned very conservative in my mind and is not always i i think you can easily disprove a lot of it it's like I try to be as reasonable as possible. I typically usually am like especially with ideas and you can see that in my YouTube videos sometimes you can mm-hmm. see like I will take either side of the argument, whatever side I think is being undercovered because I want to be, I don't know, provocative, but I also want to give credence to either side of an, uh, of an argument. But in terms of Jordan Bean Peterson, I totally disagree with his ideas about, uh, sex about oh, like awesome. women being yeah. like, uh, having specific, um, inferiorities. I just, I don't buy that at all. Um, I did, don't buy any, whenever he talks about postmodern, he has no idea what he's talking about, especially from a, a literary stance. And that is easy to point out. He's, it's just not his field of study. And he is, I think he's over his head, but he started to become very popular. Um, and I think with that popularity came an adoption of. Viewpoints that maybe um, weren't great. I don't mean to go too much into Jordan B. Peterson. No worries. No worries about it. Uh, long story short, I'm sure you you might be aware that he uh, became addicted to barbiturates and yeah. went to Russia for a rehab, mm-hmm. which I think is super ironic. Yeah, Because he has spent so much time saying, like, you've got to clean your room and um, being like self reliance is the only way forward. And it's your own fault that your life is screwed up. Yeah. And the fact that he become addicted to drugs and have to go to a quasi science Russian rehab where they just try to they try to put you in a coma is is kind of embarrassing.
0: Yeah, but, it's not, it just leaves a bad taste, kind of thing for like his fans and stuff. But people are still like very
1: much here for him, right? Like it's yeah. it's interesting. And. With all that said, I would still consider reading his book because I tried to read things that even going into it, I think I might disagree with it, but I I just, that is just how I try to collect information. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. One example, and this is self-help. I am currently reading among other things, but I'm reading, um, what is it called? It's like, uh, think and grow rich. Okay. I think I've heard, I think I've heard of that. I think I've it heard is of it. considered like one of the first self-help books. It was written in the 1930s. Okay. Uh, and it's like, it's like considered like one of the godfathers of self-help, like um, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting in that you can, it's super dated. Like you can tell it was written in the thirties. You can tell that a lot of the philosophy and ideas just wouldn't fly to, excuse me, wouldn't fly today. But it's interesting that, I don't know, it's just compelling to read it and kind of get a sense of, oh, so this is how people thought about starting a business or this is how people thought about hardship in the 1930s during the Depression in America. That's kind of one of the reasons that I'm reading it right now because I think it's a telling depiction of kind of those ideas. And also because I'm just... I've been reading every self-help book. It's almost like a dare that I have for myself where it's, I'm not even like interested in trying to improve my life as much as I am interested in trying to understand the culture and literature of this whole field, because, um, I don't know. I'm reading most of them and it's like one of the most popular genres in a bookstore. So I think it's kind of an interesting point there. Um, but if you want to actually talk about self-help, I would be, (laughs) I wouldn't mind, uh, talking about, I guess the things that I do and I do believe in.
0: Sure. Uh, let's Um, start with like, what, what first got you interested in it? Was there any, like, like, did you ever have like a self-realization of like, oh, I need, I need to learn a few like things about how to better my life. Like what gave you the first push to like better yourself and get into this space?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I guess like. I have always been, since high school, I've always loved to read. Mm -hmm. And I think that in part, I loved to read because I loved stories and I loved to learn how people write. And uh, it it still plays a role in the stuff that I do right now, whether it's like content creation or stuff like that. But when you end up reading a lot, I think um, you come across – or it's almost like reading in a lot of ways is to better yourself. You know, you read to be smarter or you read to do better at whatever it is you're doing. And I think that that kind of impulse led me towards self-help books initially, because I'm like, if I could read, if I can read about anything and get better at it, essentially. If And so why not get to the source code let's let's just let's just do the thing that will what why don't i learn how to be a better human being and then everything else would perform better as a result um like uh like what a keystone so to speak um and i think that that is kind of where it started i love to read and then i started reading these self-help books which are super popular and it might have even been, it might have even started somewhere like you'll read like pseudo psychology stuff like Malcolm Gladwell or like I'm forgetting the name of the, he's a New York Times reporter. He wrote Habits. And then I'm just like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to read more about habits. So I'll try to read every book about habits. Like uh, the only one that, the one that's coming to my head right now is Atomic Habits. I think both Habits and Atomic Habits are actually really good books. They're actually okay. interesting and compelling. But So that's kind of where I was at in terms of I would just read everything that I could get my hands on just because I was like, at first I thought that I could like change my life. Maybe I have. And now I'm almost like, I just want to understand it, the genre. But um, a little over a year ago, I met the guy I was talking about before, Andrew Horn. And he is, uh, he's an entrepreneur, but he does a lot of coaching and he writes and talks a lot about, um, what's the right word? He talks a lot about kind of wellness in a, in a, in a sense, like he, he practices specific modalities of like how to communicate better, how to deal with emotional or with our emotions better. Um, one of the projects that he works on on a regular basis is called Junto. I, I it's kind of it's funny that I'm promoting him right now, but I think that it kind of gives you a better idea of where I'm, who I am in terms of this, uh, field. But Andrew, one of the things he does is Junto, which is this regular retreat where he brings men. Um, and it's like a weekend retreat. It could, it's sometimes it's in the Catskills or like upstate New York. Other times it's um, in Joshua Tree in California. Uh, and it's kind of like a spiritual uh, metaphysical retreat where there's a lot of med- uh, meditation and uh, practicing of uh, gestalt communication, which is like basically the types of guys that come to this retreat will be like, um, you know, executives or entrepreneurs or like hot shots, you know, like people who are okay. – very fast in their careers and have like money and they, I mean, this is just kind of like my typical take on it. And they, they just have, they are realizing that maybe they need to learn how to communicate better with what it means to be a man. Essentially. I don't, I, and I don't want to, if anybody's listening and you're interested, I recommend you check out Junto yourself by Andrew Horn to give you an idea of who he is. So I had been working with that guy for more than a year. Um, And long story short, I kind of have been pulled more into that world. Like I am in in a regular men's group, which means um, basically me and five other men talk on a regular basis. It used to be in person. Now it's on Zoom. And we practice some of those uh, modalities every week. And that means we talk about kind of what we experienced in that week, how it made us feel, what we're feeling in our bodies. Uh, we push each other to kind of improve our lives, so to speak. Like we have uh, stretch goals every week, which is like, it could be anything from I want to meditate more or I want to work out more. And then we agree to help each other reach those goals. So like we'll check in on each other. Beautiful. Um. And that has been super rewarding. And these are kind of things that if you just watch my YouTube channel, you probably wouldn't know about that. I don't think I've ever talked about it, but it's something that is a regular part of my life outside of fashion is this world of like wellness or like communication and just general, like kind of trying to be a better human being, I guess. So Absolutely. long story short, that's how, that's how I got into it. That's where I am right now. Amazing, man. Like that
0: that kind of speaks to why I kind of started this podcast because like everybody knows you as like the, like the new guard of fashion YouTube, right? Like that's like one facet of like who you are, right? You have this whole self-development aspect of you, which is, I find very interesting. I'm sure the viewers will find very interesting. Yeah. Just give, and like, do you know, do you happen to know like the YouTuber, like Sierra Parker?
1: Mm, maybe I do. I'm not, the name isn't immediately clicking but tell me more yeah
0: she's like a, she's a youtuber she's based in new york she does like fashion content as well i have her scheduled for she's awesome. very interested in self de- de- development as well and that's something you wouldn't know from watching her youtube videos so i just love like exploring different aspects of who these people who who different people are right because like there's a facet that you show on social media then there's the one you show on youtube and there's a facet that you show yourself i like having a little bit of a insight into just who they are as a person
1: behind closed doors kind of thing totally I don't know. I think that maybe there's a part of living in New York where it can be so stressful. Oh, yeah. It's, it's extremely expensive. Um, like, just like your daily commute can be very uh, daunting. There's a lot of physical and emotional pressures of living in a city like that. You used to and live I in New York, that, What was that? You used to live in New York, right? Yeah. So before the pandemic, that's where uh, my girlfriend and I lived. We have recently moved out. I want to return one day <laughs> I, hopefully one day soon Absolutely. Um, but that's where I lived for the last few years um, it's way it's where I went to school mm. and I think that there's kind of there often is a push in New York City um, to try to make yourself more centered or more able to be healthy because. So much of that life kind of pressures you in a way that is, um, I guess, unhealthy. Yeah. But I think also New Yorkers, there's, there's always like a – New Yorkers are often very driven and very focused on their careers. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have recently been seeing self-help as a tool – To do better at their job, you know, to make more money or to get an edge, and that could be good or and bad, I suppose. But I recognize that as like, of you know, New Yorkers. Of course, they're into self help. A lot of them are. But I mean, I grew up in rural America. I'm I'm back there right now. I'm looking out to the woods. Um, so it's definitely it's not uh, a universal thing. And I think a lot of people, at least in the United States and Western culture or whatever, a lot of people can learn more about it and benefit from it.
0: Absolutely. There's so many different like modalities you can go down, right? There's, like meditation and different things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, just real quick, like could you recommend like maybe three or four different practices that you think like the viewers or people in general could be able to implement that would like, They would experience some changes from, like profound, like life changes.
1: That's tough. Uh, I guess one of them would be. I bet everybody's going to try to recommend it, but it's probably the easiest thing you could do in so many ways, and in all likelihood, is very effective. Is meditation? Absolutely. Uh, Meditating is something, and let me let me be honest. If anybody's like listening to this and like I'm not going to meditate, it's hard it's really hard for me. I am by nature easily distracted. I am constantly to have a million ideas. Like if you just like look at my notepad, imagine that I'm showing you my notepad on the podcast. I have a million different things and ideas that I'm thinking about. And so meditation is really hard, but it's a practice that is, I think is incredibly compelling in terms of what how you feel because you feel present. You feel like you're really there. I often have a hard time feeling present and at least mindfulness, which is what I practice really helps me do that. And I think the biggest thing that I want to tell anybody listening is it's okay that you screw up. It's okay that you only do it for five minutes. The idea is that you just start doing it regularly. And you can be horrible at it. You can be horrible at it for a, for a week, three weeks. It doesn't matter. What matters is when you're sitting there, you recognize, oh, I got distracted. Just come back. That is literally, um, one person once said to me, it's like recognizing that you are distracted and then coming back to meditating is the divinity. That's the point. That's why you even do it is that moment where you recognize that you feel, you drifted away. So that's what I recommend. It's mindfulness meditation. There are other meditations like, um, uh, transcendent transcendental. Am I imagining that there are other different meditation modalities that, uh, I would recommend people take a look at because we often just think about mindfulness, but there's a lot. Um, the other thing, uh, and I'm I'm trying to be creative in this. No uh, worries, man. I, the other one about wellness. I mean, physical fitness has been one that I've always tried to do. I I've liked working out. I wasn't really athletic in high school, but um, I liked going to the gym when I was in college, and that's still something that I do. I have. I'm lucky enough where I have weights. Uh, it's like a home gym, mm-hmm. and I did that this morning. Awesome. So, like, literally. This morning, I worked out weight training, and then I meditated. Awesome. Um, And that's, uh, you know, it's just like those are the two things people say. These are are the two ways to improve your entire body uh, that you can do right now. But instead, I'm going to tell you this. The other two, I'm going to say meditation, drinking a lot of water. Most people are dehydrated. That's just something that's so easy. You can drink. You could drink a lot of water, and uh, your body's going to be better for it. We are both drinking water right now. Yep. Just drink water. Just drink a lot. It, it, it's easy to do. It, you, we have access to a lot of drinking water if you're in the Western world. So do that. Uh, thing number three, I'm going to re- recommend is that you take a look at Gestalt communication. And like I've already mentioned it a couple of times, but I want to give your guests something a little different that they're not expecting. Gestalt communication on the whole, at least how I understand it and how I've been practicing it. And I I encourage everybody to look into it, but it basically just means uh, a communication style where you're being really authentic and talking about what you're feeling or what you're experiencing. We often have so many layers of meaning in between what we are saying or what we want to say and what we actually mean. And we fail to recognize that we just don't think about like what we're feeling, like what we actually physically feel when we're talking to people. And that's what Gestalt communication aims to do. Like, let's say somebody you're, you're trying to console somebody because they're really upset. Mm -hmm. I think I often would go to my impulses to problem solve and it's not always helpful. It's not always helpful. You know, like I always like, well, how can we fix this? What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. Instead try asking them about how they're physically feeling, where they feel sad, where the sadness actually is. Um, and it sounds abstract because, you know, we don't really think of our feelings or body that way, but, As you start to do it, you recognize how useful it can be in not only communicating with other people and asking them to kind of participate, but also communicating what happens with you. Okay. And uh, I encourage your listeners, try it. Take a look. You might find that it opens something up for you. Those are my three. Meditation, water, gestalt, communication.
0: Beautiful, now. Just to confirm a few things, mindfulness communication is mindfulness meditation, sorry, is just kind of like focusing on the breath type thing.
1: So yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like when you meditate and you're essentially like focusing on your breath, you're focusing on your body, you're focusing on just being present. Okay. But um, meditation, you know, which is literally as old as culture itself and people kind of, you know, here's a good example. Meditation is so widespread, and people don't realize it, that it's virtually everywhere. You said you're reading Marcus Aurelius's uh, meditation. Meditations, whatever it's called. Yeah. So obviously, they're using that language. That word doesn't mean like literally meditation. It means like these are my musings. Yeah. But in that collection of writing, Marcus Aurelius at least once or twice describes how, when he was at on war, or when he was far from his home he would do this practice where he would basically try to clear his mind and focus on a different thing. And it's really interesting to read this because essentially what Marcus Aurelius is describing is meditation. He's describing a form of meditation. And we so often are like, think that a meditation is all it's Eastern and it only comes from like Buddhism or like Hinduism. It's like people around the world have been doing different forms of meditation for ever in all different continents. It's just, it's something that's actually, I think, very human. So Mm -hmm. long story short, mindfulness is only one type, but there are a lot of different types that people actively practice. And uh, it's worth your while to look into them because I'm trying to think, I, I, we did a podcast episode on a different type um, and it's, I'm drawing a blank on it and i'm kind of googling right now yeah.
0: would you recommend apps like headspace or something for like beginners to get started with totally um, i'm, I'm going to as soon as we're done i'm going to get i'm going to get on that <laughs> i need to get yeah started.
1: um i have used headspace um a, a, one of my former employers actually that was one of the perks of working there is they gave us like a free headspace subscription oh, um, so I've used it and I think it's really great, um, because it's really approachable and they make it fun and they make it, the gamify it. Okay. Um, but it, I, I think that I, ultimately if you do it enough or you practice enough, you find that you don't need, uh, um, anything. I mean, that seems obvious, but it, you know it's hard and it's intimidating when you first start you're like i'm just gonna sit there and do nothing uh, but yeah headspace is really good what's another one that people use um that's the, i think that's the only one i've
0: heard of just
1: headspace yeah well headspace is great and it has it's it's there's a lot of different lessons and tutorials so i would recommend it even if you just do the free ones it's a great way to get started awesome Do you do, do you meditate every day no. Uh I do meditate every week. Okay. Um just out of habit. I think if I did meditate every day, I would be I would be even better. Mm. It, it it can be hard. You know, I think that even people I know who are really like focused and like really on their game, they skip days sometimes. Mm. It, it it happens. Yeah, we're human. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're not learning anything else from mindfulness, mindful meditation, it's like, you shouldn't beat yourself up for doing something wrong. Literally just come back and do it right. Absolutely. That's really a big part of that whole philosophy.
0: Yeah. And we're Um, doing this to get better anyway. You're not going to be perfect right off the bat. It gives you something to reach towards as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, I I don't know. It's taught me to be a lot more patient with myself. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure, because um, I think, especially if we're talking about mm, what do you call it, uh, wellness, they, it's easy to fall into a trap of like hating yourself or like I gotta be better, I have to do this better, I'm not good enough, and that's self-destructive. To be so critical at a point, it stops being a positive force. So I think that it's it's important to have a lot of patience especially if you're trying to dive into this type of stuff for the first time. Um, because I know from my perspective, I often hamstring me is feeling like, Oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not productive enough. I'm not athletic enough. And then you don't succeed because you, you, are so uh, self-critical. So kind of like paralysis by analysis type thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I've experienced that so much, man. Honestly, it's just like this whole pandemic thing. I'm just like, yo, I need to be starting a business. I need to be reading like a book a week. I need to like exercise like six days a week, twice Mm -hmm. a day and all that stuff. And I'm like, I've never done any of those things. So might as well just get started and get the ball rolling, right? That's the
1: hardest thing. Totally. I agree. And I know that feeling. I really resonate with it. Feeling like oh no, if I don't do what I need to right now, I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. To anybody who's listening right now, I have felt that way for years. I felt like, oh, I'm wasting my time. Oh, I'm wasting my time. Oh, I'm doing this wrong. Oh, I'm not doing enough. And it's there's an irony where for all the energy that I've spent th- feeling that way, I could have probably like written a book, you know? it's important to put everything into perspective. Uh, Wellness is really valuable. Being uh, productive or driven is valuable. But if you don't have a means of being patient and uh, compassionate with yourself, it will just be uh, destructive. And that's coming from somebody who has always been like critical about how effective or productive or whatever I am. But I am learning now as I get older how to how if you don't balance that, you're it's just as bad as not trying sometimes. Yeah. Um, Kind of get stuck in like
0: that rut where it's like I could be doing more, but I can't, so I might as well not if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, I, and I don't mean to keep rambling, but... Oh, please. I'm, I'm here for it, man. I'm learning so much from it. It's just, like,
1: thank you. Oh, yeah. it's, I, I hope that was a surprise, I, you know, because I do think and talk about it a lot, just not in fashion.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, what else do you, what, what other, I guess like, well, what, what do you hope to do with the podcast in general? Because this is the, maybe the first episode or one of the first, what do you hope to accomplish? I want to learn
0: from people who I admire their work ethic and just how they, how they handle themselves kind of thing. Because like a lot of the podcasts that I've seen, people seem to have everything figured out, right? Or at least that's what they show. Yeah. I I am pretty far from having things figured out. So I want to learn more and this is my way of doing that. And if someone else can benefit even better,
1: right? Might as well share the knowledge. I think that's a great perspective. And I, I've often thought about the same thing with my content and what I want to do with it, uh, a lot of the time you see people, you only hear from the successful people, from yeah. experts, from the people who've made it. And I think that it can sometimes be discouraging and it's also uh, only one side. You gotta, I think there needs to be more content for people who are, te- I mean, I guess the losers or the people who are just starting out. People who have failed because they can tell a lot more that might be valuable, especially to just every other person. If you can tell a story about uh, why something didn't work or why you don't know or have that same kind of – I'm just saying – I mean, novices is is a voice that we need to hear more from because it's really – it, it could be unproductive to just hear from people who are successful because it looks like success is just something that's inherent and oh. it's not something that's a gigantic practice mm-hmm. over years you know yeah but i think that's a great idea yeah
0: that's kind of where i came up with the name for the podcast because like i was like i'm a sh- i was a shy i was like a shy little so-and-so but like i was Mm -hmm. like okay cool i don't want to really upload myself on the internet or something right because i was like i don't have this i don't have the i don't have a good computer like just excuse i don't have a good computer Mm -hmm. headphones i don't have any of this i was just gonna freaking email people and be like can i grab dinner with you and we can just chat some shit i'll pay for dinner that's what came up on my dime on your time right okay that's i was just gonna do that and learn from them that way but i'm just like okay cool i'm learning but then there's gotta be someone out there who doesn't have as much, like who doesn't want to do that. Cause they're shy or they're shyer yeah. than I am even. Right. So they can listen to this. They can listen to this. And it's like, it doesn't, there's no like so, in social interaction
1: involved. Right. So then I'll just you can just listen to it and you can benefit as well. I think that's an awesome idea. I, it's kind of like, um, do you know the phrase informational interviews? No, I don't. Have okay. Heard? Well, I mean, that's essentially what you were doing. Um, I bet they use other phrasing too, but like in the world of like career searching or whatever, they say informational interviews are when you ask to speak with an expert Mm -hmm. or a professional who's succeeding or whatever. And you're like, Hey, I'm not asking you for a job. I'm not asking you to help me get a job or whatever. I'm just asking you to tell me about how you did what you do and Um, you know, some people will say, sure. And I've met a lot of people who are still my friends from that, uh, in fashion. Um, like, I I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to give names, but think of big brands in fashion Mm. and just by emailing them or DMing them and saying, I really love what you're doing and being, you know, specific and being uh intelligent about, like, I understand you're really busy. I don't want to, you know, waste your time. I would love to grab coffee and ask you about specifically X. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, there are examples where I would email somebody for months. Yeah. And sometimes, even as silly as that sounds, because they would go like, yeah, sure. Oh, something came up. And I, you know, you can't be intrusive or rude or whatever yeah. but uh just you know persistent and being like hey i will love to buy you coffee now and eventually yeah i've spoken to a lot of people who've given me a lot of great advice about working in fashion through that yeah. and i i think that it's one of the other reasons i would like to be generous if i can be with my time because i want to just talk to people and learn what they know in a way that is um you know, it really benefits me. It's really hard sometimes to know things without asking people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you, if I can teach you anything about wellness, I'd love to, I'm not an expert, but yeah. uh, I don't know.
0: Amazing, man. Um, Like it's, it's just, it's just awesome, man. Like I love this whole space. I love like talking to you is great. Yeah. it's, It's awesome. Um, uh has getting has like being in the public eye kind of thing like having a youtube channel and getting being into fashion has that affected like your interest in wellness or like your mental health in any way because there's the whole like with fashion every it's so fast it's so new it's kind Mm. kind of a basic question like it's so fast it's so new you have to like post the latest thing or like have the latest items and stuff has
1: that affected you in any way um you know i think that working in fashion in new york Mm -hmm. or at least trying to essentially is it can be discouraging that can affect your mental health. I have often thought like, am I not cool enough? And that is, it sounds immature, but it can feel that way. Sometimes it can feel like the reason that I'm not making these connections or I'm not being invited to X, Y, Z, or I'm not, you know, making the right moves is because I'm not perceived as cool enough. Yeah. And as fickle and superficial as that seems, fashion is a uh, very superficial in a lot of ways. It oh, is yeah. external at least. And I think that the industry likes to cultivate um, creatives that they see are um, a reflection of the, the values that they want to like, incorporate or uh kind of perpetuate okay. okay and like so with that in mind with all of that in mind sometimes I'd be worried that I don't come off as cool enough because yeah. uh I don't know because my clothes aren't cool enough because I don't talk cool enough yeah and frankly you know like for a lot of my jobs I come off as kind of a weirdo in the office um because I don't know because uh it's easy to be I think that one of the reasons I created the YouTube channel was because I wanted to express myself the way I want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wasn't being able to do that in real life. Um, so that there are pressures that come with working in fashion that affect your mental health and you have to overcome them. And, you know, I mean, I, in high school, I was well, more or less in middle school, I was bullied. And I thought I had gotten over that stuff, you know? But then I'm an adult and I'm working with my career and I feel like, uh I feel intimidated like that again. Mm-hmm. So that definitely does. In terms of does YouTube and kind of growing your popularity or your um, notoriety online affect your mental health? I would like to point out that um, while the niche that I make content and it's smaller and I am building some momentum. It's still small. My audience is still small, but it's not insignificant. It's not that insignificant, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think it'll grow. Uh, There has been a weird thing where, like, I had a, caroline or something like caroline will be in a video and i worry about she's my girlfriend yeah i worry about people saying things about her like in the comments because i'm like that would suck or um like i got a comment recently that was like anti-semitic about me and it's like i'm my name is christian i'm not jewish yeah you know um christ I don't know. I, and like, I'm like, I really, I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. There is, there is an element of you putting yourself out there. You're putting that content out there and you're vulnerable and people are going to try to take advantage of that in some ways. And I think that to some extent you have to be really confident in what you're doing to some degree and you have to be, Uh, we're able to let it kind of water under the bridge because if you can't, it's going to be hurtful. Um, But I think that the truth is, so in terms of how it affects my mental health, that can be hurtful, but the reality is the overwhelming contents, I mean, comments and DMS and stuff that I get are positive in a way that really lights my heart up. And when I hear people like say that they uh, got something of the video, they're learning or they're engaging, or they felt confident enough to wear something. I, it, it, it's really, really rewarding in a way that little else that I've done in my life can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I use this language a lot in my like professional work and, Uh, I think about my YouTube videos like this, but you have to add value. Yeah. You have to give somebody a certain value. Mm -hmm. And that goes with social media and it goes with like living in life. If you're doing something, you have to be to service of somebody. You have to be adding some value to somebody's life. And YouTube, I can add a lot of value to a lot of people. I mean, 5,000 people is a huge auditorium of people. You know, if 5,000 people love what I'm doing, that's a success to me. So the fact that you can add value there, I think overwhelmingly makes me feel positive about the work and the mental health, uh, complications or whatever, or things that might come up aren't a big deal. Absolutely. I don't think.
0: Uh, just backtracking very slightly. Um, i I i didn't actually read this book. And I forget which book it's from. It's been bugging me. But, like, they talked about the craftsman versus, like, service, I think, mindset. It's, like, you do some, it's, like, no, passion versus, it was, like, you either do something that you're very passionate about, but it's, like, you're the only one passionate about it. And there's, like, I, it's not, serv- it's another P word, but it's, like, it's service. It was, like, you do yeah. something that will provide value for somebody else. Do you, do you have any, like, I don't know if I'm explaining that properly,
1: but do you have any thoughts about that? Uh maybe and I wish I knew what we were what book we're talking about because I kinda of feel like vaguely I've read something like that. Um uh, to me it sounds like the difference between let's say being a, an artist and like being a doctor or something. Mm. Like everybody has a body. Everybody has health that they need to take care of. If you are like say let's say the reluctant doctor. You're a doctor. You just got to be a doctor or whatever you, but, but what you do adds a, a, a huge value to the community, into society. You can heal the sick. You can, you know, make people live longer. You can make people feel better. Uh, and then maybe like, let's say there's an artist and an artist's value is abstract and it's not concrete in the same way, but Perhaps, I don't know, I'm really kind of on the fly with this metaphor. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the difference is that uh, you are providing a type of value that will fundamentally change people's ideas. And maybe it's a few amount of people, but it could have like major repercussions. I, I don't know if this is answering it at all. And but here's like a a kind of a metaphor that I'm thinking of right now, and maybe we are all over the place. But um, are you familiar with the Velvet Underground at all? Not, not much. No, not really.
0: Like in passing, but not
1: much. Okay, so they released their first album in like what 1960 something, and uh, it was at the time considered. You know, it was at the time very avant-garde. It just sounded unusual. And there was a lot of stuff that was in it that didn't sound like of the time. And the album sold okay. But, like, the lead singer or, you know, like, the lead of band, Lou Reed, like, after that album was released, he had to go and find a job as, like, a typist. Wow. Which is ironic because later in his life Lou Reed would become a massive a huge star mm-hmm. with the Velvet Underground and with his like his own uh personal work like he became so famous that when he passed they had a memorial event for him at the Lincoln Center in New York which is the opera house it's like that's how much he was revered but wow. when he when they created the first album it only sold like Thirty thousand copies, and um, I believe this is Brian Eno who said this. Brian Eno is a uh, mu- famous musician and a famous producer. He is considered like kind of an icon of like making music, and uh, like he's considered like the father of ambient music too. Uh, but Brian Eno, I think, said that like the Velvet Underground's first album only sell- sold like ten thousand copies, mm. but all 10,000 people who bought those al- those albums started a band. Wow. So the idea is, yeah. The influence that that little niche thing had, that didn't sell well and that people didn't really recognize at first, undeniably like transformed a lot of music. I mean, if you listen to the Velvet Underground's first album, it's harder to pick up right now, but it inspired so much of rock and roll, so much of punk. So much of an aesthetic or like a drive to create music that was avant-garde and compelling in some ways. And there are numerous musicians who were directly inspired by them, even if they weren't financially successful with their first albums. I don't know if that answers the thing that we were talking about, but I think it kind of. Yeah, I, I
0: think I found the book here. The book is Be So Good That They Can't Ignore You. Oh. And the basic premise is like following your passion is bad advice because it leads people to like soul searching and job hopping until they find what they, until they find a path where they can do what they're passionate about and still reap the financial or like the finding value in it, like benefits for that. So like finding, sure. like, finding like the why you do what you do kind of thing. And the book counters that by having a craftsman mindset. He said, like the author said that. Um one second. He says that you should do something that you like, but not something that you love. Because if you like something, you're willing to put in the work for it and build it to where you can you should do something that like can help others and like that you like it enough that you're willing to like progress that and do very, very well in that. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's basically it. I'm bad at explaining this, but yeah.
1: Well I I, I think that I If I could like kind of say anything about self-help books and self-help in general, that maybe is valuable for you or to anybody listening, take everything with a grain of salt. Everybody's going to have their own argument for everything. Mm -hmm. And like I'm reading, uh, like I said earlier, I'm reading uh, Think and Grow Rich, which is one of the best selling books of the 20th century and was like the one of the first self-help books. And on all likelihood people read that and believed it full cloth and was like and were like, oh my God, this is the secret. This is how you become rich, like Andrew Carnegie. This is there's the philosophy in here is sound and totally intelligent. But me reading it in 2020, I'm like, not only is this racist, but half of the ideas I can totally see the flaws in. And I think that it's important for us to keep that in mind because in all likelihood, a lot of the books that we read right now that we think, wow, that, that was really smart. I really don't see any flaws with that. I really believe it. In all likelihood, we're going to look back on it. You know, people will look back on it and see the inherent flaws. So with everything, any self-help, like that guy saying, like, don't follow your dreams or your passion. Instead, find something you like that you're exceptionally good at because you're going to add the most value doing that. And what you should do is add value, not follow your passions, X, Y, Z. Maybe there's some truth to that, but there's probably a lot of falsehoods or flaws to it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep that in mind because I'm sure you'll find a book that says the complete opposite. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I want to read that book just so I can like fully understand his argument and find totally. my encounter to
1: it. That's I need to pick up that book as well. I think I'll take a look um, of the Be So Good one. But, you know, I, I kind of understand and I kind of am critical of it. But something that I've heard a lot of or read and heard often is like – I and something that I've t- kind of taken more to heart. Trying to find your purpose or your passion or whatever it is, you might spend your entire life doing that. And in a lot of ways, that could be a very uh, self-aggrandizing pursuit. What am I meant to be? You know, what am I supposed to do? It might be more valuable to think about your work as right now, right in this moment, how can I add more value to people? How can I help more people? Like, what can I do to help more and serve more? And, you know, maybe you're not finding your life's work, your life's passion. But at the end of the day, if you are serving more people, if you're adding more value to more people, you're probably doing something right. And you're probably doing the best thing you can do. And your life will probably improve as a result of it. And that's kind of, that's my MO in terms of trying to uh, figure out what I'm supposed to be doing um, mm-hmm. because you know it's sometimes confusing but at least to some extent I think people are enjoying my YouTube videos and it's worth me making them, continuing to make them right now because a lot of people like it, a lot of people get value from it they tell me all the time so that's why I'm doing that mm. um, what else in terms of questions and I'm sorry that I spend so much time talking
0: Dude, my don't apologize, man. Like the more I'm, I'm benefiting a lot from it. I'm learning so much, man. Yeah, like you're, you I don't want to like gas you up or anything, but the channel's great. You're the one who like gave me the final push to shave my head because I had like hair down. Oh through. yeah, yeah. I was just like, it's awesome. it It's getting annoying. You gave me the, the little bit of a push. I, needed I
1: was done. I couldn't stand long hair for a while. I mean, I you if you've seen my videos, you would know that it's been like here. It's been like this, and I'm just like, I forget it. Yeah, so I'm glad I did. I'm um, glad. I'm glad I encouraged you. Yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome, man.
0: Have you like during the quarantine? Have you developed any new habits that you're gonna see yourself doing for like extent like further into the future?
1: Um. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've de- developed any good habits. Um, maybe. I've been trying to do two videos a week. The last couple of weeks I've been failing, but that has been, it's been something I used to think about. Like when I was in New York, I would often like go like, what if I did two a week? How would that change things? But it just felt like I never really had the time. That's at least what I told myself. The reality is if you prioritize it, It's always a matter of priority. We all have the same amount of time. It's what you prioritize. So making that a priority has been an interesting good habit that I maybe would want to continue after the quarantine, so to speak. When I don't know when uh, I have to actually go physical places more, so to speak, like for work. So if I can find a way to keep prioritizing it, that might be a great habit just because – it's something that given the more time has allowed me to do. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Do you want to go over like your workout routine or anything? Cause like you, you're in great shape obviously from your Instagram and stuff. So do you want to go uh, over that? All right.
1: No, I mean, I could, I could be in better shape, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I always, I always want to be, no, I have just, uh, working out. Um, I'm not exactly, uh, I don't know. What's the right word? I'm not like a jock, but, uh, um, I've always done kind of weight training stuff. And I mean, I kind of follow like typical, like what what that one website strong lifts? So I, I typically try to follow compound exercises. Awesome. So that means like doing squats or like rows or like bench press or like, military press, Um, that is uh, primarily what I try to do. Because at the end of the day, um, if you want to be healthy, if that is the goal, Mm. and you want to look strong as an addition to that, that's cool. You should focus on compound exercises because that engages more of your body and more of your muscles. Forget about doing bicep curls. You don't need it. Mm. Um, Just do – the exercises where you're using a lot of the muscles at the same time because you will develop faster that way. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's the long and short of it. I mean, right now I have a, you know, like an Olympic barbell and like a cheap crappy bench. And I try to do as much as I can with that. Um, but it's super cool when you have the space for your own gym because at, in New York you don't, and you're always just waiting to use the next oh, thing, yeah. you know? same thing
0: in Toronto gyms are getting
1: busy now I can imagine uh but I mean other than that I you know I guess if you have any kind of like last minute questions for me um
0: that's pretty much everything I have last thing where can people find you
1: uh you can find me at brave new wear on youtube you can also follow me on Instagram, which is my first and last name. It's Christian underscore Shabetta. So that's C H R I S T I A N underscore S C I B E T T A. Uh, but the Brave New Wear Show on YouTube is where you can mostly find me. I hope I can, I hope to see some of you guys on YouTube. And uh, thank you again for having me on. Thanks. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I'll link everything in the, in the show notes for the, for the podcast. Okay. All right. Thanks again, man. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good one.